2: Guys, it's Rick Tittle.
3: Alrighty then, welcome to another live edition of Titillating Sports with Rick Tuttle. High 4K, high-def technology. High, you're high. You must be high. We're here and we're going to talk sports for three hours. That's right, a three-hour tour Gilligan. So get in and get heard. 1-800-878-PLAY is the number to call. 1-800-878-7529. It gets you in and it gets you heard. Coast to coast, border to border. And around the world on the American Forces Radio Network, big fan of our military, whatever branch you are with, or as they say in England, branch, you're doing a great job. Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, National Guard, Space Force, Delta Force, sailors, soldiers, remember, never call Marines a soldier, they are Marines. Airmen, air, women, Space Forceians. what about that Space Force? What do you call them to yourselves? Oh, that's right, um, Guardians. Just like Cleveland. That's such a, you know, you think about it, that's such a new uh, phrase since 2020. We got Space Force Guardian and Cleveland Guardian. And also, if you want to go on this field trip, have your parent or guardian sign the permission slip as well. 1 800 878 Play. We're on the TuneIn Radio app, the iHeartRadio app, the Stitcher app. Uh, Twitch ain't working. We hope that uh, the. Uh, is going to sound a little bit better after a quick break. Uh, the parade is right here in uh, San Francisco, starting around 1130. That's going to be chaos and mayhem. Uh, I would recommend not going. <laughs> if this was the first time they won in 40 years, like 2015, I would say come on down. I would recommend not coming, but hey, you got to do what you got to do. You got to celebrate the uh, championship. Talk about that. also, how about the Avs and the Stanley Cup? Got to talk about a major that just went down. Another "quote unquote" no name winning that. It's all here for you. Uh, the Twitter is at Rick Tittle. The Facebook page Tittle Winning Sports with Rick Tittle, and on your television set, CRN Digital Plus Two, the Cable Radio Network Channel Two. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back. Let's do this.
4: At Wendy's, we make breakfast better. Like with our breakfast baconator, better from top to bottom bun, savory sausage patty, better. Crispy oven baked bacon, better. Fresh cracked egg, better. The breakfast Baconator might just be the greatest breakfast sandwich of all time. So you can keep settling for not better, or you can get a better breakfast from Wendy's. Tough choice. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's better breakfast. Epic U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours.
1: Pricing information, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654. That's 800-915-9654.
6: Here's a great way to save money on your prescription medications. If you take Viagra or Cialis, we can give you a way to pay as little as $2 a pill.
7: Here at Total Wine & More, our amazing selection means you'll always love
1: what you find.
7: Dad, what are you doing here? Just
8: getting a sneak peek at my Father's Day gifts.
7: Well, I was thinking of getting you this barrel select bourbon. That's a
8: really nice bottle.
7: And Total Wine has it at the totally lowest price. Wow.
8: You always were my favorite.
7: Thanks, Dad.
6: Talking to the bourbon, sweetie.
7: Love what you find. Like the perfect gift for Dad at the perfect price. Only at Total Wine and More.
6: And drink responsibly. B21.
9: Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a he So handsome. He's a genius.
10: All right. Thank you for that. And I think we sound a whole lot better now. Now I got kind of that, <clears throat> that morning voice. That's not Barry White. Barry White's more like this. I got more of that Texas voice. We don't recognize <coughs> that the election was legitimate. <coughs> Stop the steal! I got that kind of voice right now. All right, uh, open lines one 878 play. As I mentioned, uh, just before this show ends around eleven thirty, they will start the Warriors' victory parade <clears throat> in their new old city, San Francisco. And it's going to go down Market Street. And it's not going to go too, too far down Market Street. Um, And there's two ways of looking at it. Uh, Number one, I think about the Warriors parades in Oakland, which were great, which started on Broadway in Oakland and then turned on grand and then wrapped itself around the lake excuse me past fairyland and the lake chalet going to the henry j henry j kaiser convention center on the west side of the lake and there was a huge stage and a couple of those parades it was hotter than hell i mean it was just really amazing memories and um it was great for me as well um as part of um you know credentialed media and I was working for the flagship station at the time to walk in the parade everyone is just so desperate to high-five anybody in the parade and I didn't cake it some people would just high-five everyone but um, walking behind Steph Curry's double-decker bus and he was shooting real NBA basketballs into the crowd and one time he shot one and it kind of hit a tree branch or something and it came down and I had it and I looked up and I saw literally like 5,000 people reaching out like zombies, like oh, just these red eyes. Ah. And I realized, cause I've seen enough baseball games where a kid, you know, I know a kid who had a pitcher throw him a ball in the outfield and adults tried to rip it out of his glove, a kid. And when I say adults, I mean anyone over 18. And so I thought if I walk over and hand this to a little kid, <clears throat> this kid's going to get punched in the face 50 times. So all I could think of was to pretend to take a free throw as the parade is going by me. I took two dribbles, pretend I was on the stripe, and I shot a real high arcing free throw about 10 rows back. And then I just saw (laughs) the animals at feeding time, you know, and um, anyway, magical times, very magical in those warrior parades in Oakland and Oakland never looked better. You know, it really didn't. <clears throat> and then I think about the many Giants parades, of which I did walk in the first one. Was it the first one? I don't know. But because I had a credential, I decided I would just walk in it. And it wasn't um, it wasn't as fun, obviously, because you know I'm not a a uh, Giants fan. But I do. Oh, I remember the very first one now. No, the very that must have been the second one, because the first one, my show got over and the parade had already started. And so I was actually walking ankle deep in confetti. And this is where it got insane because they said over a million people came in. Now, San Francisco, the amount of people who live near the downtown area is less than one hundred thousand people. It's a very small downtown if you talk about people who live here. And so there's no kids. It's the most kidless city in America, at least unless you get into the avenues and stuff, into the neighborhoods, Sunset and the Richmond, what have you, Hunter's Point, Bayview. But uh, on a weekday before the pandemic, now no one's here. I went to the Galleria the other day. Only the soup place and the sandwich place is open on the top floor. All three Asian restaurants, Jimmy John's, everything else is boarded up. All the first two floors, all the jewelry stores, the camera store, the photography store, all boarded up. It's crazy that there are only two places open at the Galleria now. Anywho, before the pandemic, they used to say that San Francisco's population grew to a million every day, being that there was about 900,000 commuters that would come in. This is why this place is, you know, um, outside of Mexico City and Manhattan, it has the most people per square mile of any city in America on a weekday. And so you got another million coming in from Reno and Redding and Fresno and wherever else, Panol. People come another town that no one goes to San Francisco from. But it was mayhem. And when I got to the end of it at City Hall, that was the only time in my life where I felt – The helpless, I don't want to say terror, but concern of when someone is elbowing elbowing you in the back really hard and shoving you, your reaction is to turn around and say, what the hell, and shove them back. But then you realize that they're being shoved and it goes back literally 80 people. And so at that moment, you're just in in the waves, in the sea, and you have no control of where you're being pushed. You think about people being crushed to death. <clears throat> I'm not saying that was close to happening, but it was on the verge of getting bad like that. And it was scary. Just shoved, shoved, shoved. And everyone in a panic to see Buster and Timmy and Bumgarner and B. Weezy. <clears throat> my, uh, my old uh, broadcasting friend, Brody Brazil, was doing a stand up um, and he was on a little step stool. And somebody tried to take his wallet, and then somebody tried to take his keys. So he put them in the van, and then he saw people going into the van, the ENG van. And then he said one person was holding his leg, and another person was holding his butt. He turned around, he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, we're, we're, we're just making sure you don't fall over. And he's like, no, I'm good. And they're like, no, no, we're going to hold you. Okay, thanks. Yeah. It was nuts. And then, even worse, when I went to get on BART, BART was so choked off that people were sliding and running down the middle part of the escalators. There was this one woman screaming, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. And I didn't know if that meant you're squishing me while I'm pregnant or I'm in labor. But she was crying. We were trying to, like, try to find a place where another one was like, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And there was air around but I think she went into a panic. It was like the evacuation of a city during an alien invasion. And there were screams and terror. I was happy to get out of the throng at one point, but for a couple minutes, I was literally helpless. I don't care if I would have just thrown elbows and tried to beat up everyone in front of me, it still wouldn't have worked. If I tried to machete myself out <laughs> with my fists. And so. When I think about this parade now, I want no part of it. I don't mean I don't want any part of the celebration. And I'm not angry at San Francisco for stealing my team. They didn't. The owners moved them there. San Francisco didn't do anything. Stupid to blame them. Uh, If you want to blame somebody, blame the owners. But here's the thing. I don't want to feel that squishness and the fact that this parade is the shortest parade that they're going to have of all four of their parades and it's shorter than all three of the giants parades it's going to be more compact i think and so i would say do yourself a favor and watch the television coverage of it because it's it could get very very dangerous and i don't mean to sit here and be a drama queen about it or a drama king take your pick drama prince But uh, I think um, it's—I'm 99% sure that you will like not going and just watching on TV and celebrate there. Now, if you're on the 80th floor and you can look down, have fun with it. All right, (laughs) I'm Tittle. We got a couple of authors coming up. We'll come right back on titillating sports.
11: No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror? How would you like to learn the secrets to lose three to five pounds a week easily? If you're ready to start losing weight right now, call right now to learn more about your risk-free order to body Sculpt.
1: Call for your risk-free offer. 800-738-5332. 800-738-5332. 800-738-5332. That's 800-738-5332.
11: Has someone in your family lost a job recently, and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? We can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately. Yes, sell your home and get cash all over the phone without dealing with real estate agents or having to waste time showing your home to lukewarm buyers. You don't need to lose your house to foreclosure. If you have equity in your home, we'll buy your home and give you cash within days, all in a simple over the phone and virtual process. Call now before your situation gets worse sell a home you can't afford or just need anymore and get the cash you need today call this number now
1: 800-950-8218 800-950-8218 800-950-8218 that's 800-950-8218 paid for by want to sell Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-209-6124. 800-209-6124. 800-209-6124. That's 800-209-6124. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity.
7: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
10: All right. Thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show veteran sports writer Laken Littman, who has a brand new book from Sports Illustrated called Strong Like a Woman, 100 Game-Changing female athletes Lake, lakin welcome to the show and when you think about just the archives of sports illustrated and going back to wilma rudolph uh you know all the way up till uh today and you know uh what was it like when you did as the kids say a a deep dive on all this
12: well thank you so much for having me i'm so excited to talk about this um yeah i guess that is what i did a deep dive um uh, the SI Vault which was just so fun for me as a former athlete myself and huge sports fan to learn about so many of these women I mean even when I was creating the list I probably was able to come up with about half of the names of my on my own and then just kind of the learning process of so many athletes that I didn't even know about or if I did know about them just learning some of the things that they accomplished in their amazing and inspiring careers. Um, so yeah, this was one of the better deep dives I've done in my career, I would say.
9: Who were some of
10: the names that you saw that you were like, why don't I know this name? I can't believe I don't know about her.
12: Ooh. Um, that's a good question. I would say Susan Butcher. She's She was one of my favorite, um, entries to write she did the Iditarod and there was like an amazing story that I wrote in the book about how she ran into a pregnant moose during one of her races and I was just like I cannot even believe first of all I understand why we don't really talk about the Iditarod more but I mean just that kind of thing that she was able to you know overcome that kind of adversity, which I feel like, you know, we hear about athletes getting injured and, you know, coming back, um, you know, from pregnancy and, you know, not making a roster, but this woman literally ran into a moose and had to figure out how to not get her dog killed.
10: (laughs) I remember the name. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, what about, you know, that when people talk about the greatest female athletes of all time, a lot of people, because she came before our time, is Babe Didrikson Zaharias. And you think about how great she was uh, as a basketball player, a baseball player. She won gold medals in track at the Olympics. She won 10 majors on the LPGA Tour. Uh, that's that's one of the names, I think, that especially the youngsters really need to know.
12: Yeah, the, so <laughs> it's funny you mention her because, this book was specifically um, since 19, athletes since 1954, because that is the year that SI began. And so she's not even included in the book. And so many people are outraged that she's not in it. And obviously, you know, when we're talking about greatest of all time, she, of course, is in that conversation at the top of that conversation. But she, so for people, just so people know, she is not, unfortunately, in this book only because of the parameters of which we are including, um,
13: you know, athletes.
10: All right. Very well. Yes. S I came in in 54. The, um, the women's sports foundation, which was one of the first of its kind. And Billie Jean King, our friend here at sports byline, she started that in the mid seventies and I'm old enough to remember the battle of the sexes and, and Bobby Riggs and all that. And it, at the time, you know, it, it, I think when you tell it to people now, it sort of seems like, um, a lark or, or, or tongue in cheek, but it was also very serious competition as well. How would you sum up what, what Billie Jean King has meant to women's sports? And I, I know you'd probably need three volumes to say that, but how <laughs> would you sum it up?
12: Um, yeah, actually it's funny you say that because there are some athletes in this book where I'm just like, really? I have about, 700 to 800 words here to write about them and obviously Billie Jean King is included in that it's like how do you sum up her whole life's work in one page for this book Um, but yeah I mean she is you know who everybody looks to when you're talking about women's sports equal pay the impact that she's had on so many athletes I mean the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team um, WNBA players, U S women's hockey players. They, you know, she reached out to them years and years ago to offer her help, you know, so that they can achieve equal pay. And, and, um, you know, her, her, she's just one of the most, she will go down as the most probably inspirational, um, not just athletes, but woman, um, I think, of all time, just given everything that she has accomplished and what she means um, to women and young women athletes everywhere. So, yeah, putting her whole career into – a an essay and for this book was incredibly difficult, and I think that it's incredibly and, and also of course she wrote the foreword for this book, which we're so grateful that she agreed to do that, and um, her words are so important for you know the young girls and women who will be reading this book.
10: You know I remember um, speaking of the women's national team going down to San Jose. The United States played England in Miaham scored a hat trick, and it was like the 69th, 70, and 71st goal, and she was just running right around people. And and the hype that she got and how many – and that whole team, obviously. You can go down mm-hmm. the list of, you know, Fowdy and Chastain and others. But Mia Hamm was the one that really – got the attention, how spectacular she was. And I, I just, I remember one goal, she just basically like Pelé just, you know, weaved through the whole team. So you have Mia Hamm, but then you also have someone more recent with Megan Rapino and what she has meant to equality and diversity and not just with LGBTQ+, but also with equal pay being at the mm-hmm. head of that. So when you think about those two athletes and, and what they've meant, not just for women's soccer, but, but for the uh, women athletes all over.
12: One of my favorite things that, um, I mean, I, I, I covered the U.S. women's national team, and um, I'm actually leaving today to go follow them um, through Denver and Salt Lake City for some friendlies. Um, it's so interesting. One of my favorite things that those soccer players say is their goal is to always leave the game better than they found it. And, of course, that is something that kind of started, you know, in Mia Hamm's day. And one of the things, I mean, I was a soccer player growing up and Mia Ham was my favorite athlete and she was actually the first essay that I wrote in this book. So I was like, that one will be easy for me to write. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, what they've both kind of meant to the sport are similar. They've, they've left similar impacts, but like very different impacts. Mia Hamm was someone who, you know, didn't like the spotlight, didn't like attention, always deflected, you know, to her teammates. Megan Rapino Um, You know, she's happy to be the voice of the team. She's more outspoken than Ham. She obviously, as you mentioned and as I wrote in this book, you know, speaks out for LGBTQ plus rights, equal pay. She helped, you know, lead the charge for the U.S. Women's National Team to achieve equal pay uh, recently um within you know the new cba with u.s soccer and the u.s men's team and she is kind of like the go-to person a lot of times i mean there's of course alex morgan too um and becky sauerbrunn as well um you know when you're talking when you're looking for you know a female athlete to kind of speak on such important issues
10: we only got about a minute i just want to bring up janet evans i got to meet her in 89 and you know a total of four golds but you know, she was, you know, 5'5", about 110 pounds, and she didn't have that, you know, like Summer Sanders and Jenny Thompson, Dara Torres, they're all like 5'10", 5'11". She was, you know, a world record holder at 17, very quiet, very very mild-mannered out of Stanford. I always admired her that she just didn't look the part and she was the best on the planet.
12: Yeah, honestly, <laughs> that was a little bit before my time. So when I was... um doing research for this book, I didn't, I don't think I fully realized, you know, how small she really was. And then when I was doing more, you know, deep diving into the archives, I found um, that she's, she's been somebody who um, has stuck around the U.S. swimming community and is somebody that a lot of current female swimmers kind of look to today for advice on, you know, whether it's training or going to the Olympics or whatever. And um, I thought that was just really cool, given that, um, you know, the kind of career she had and that she is still somebody that a lot of these um, young swimmers look up to and can go to for advice.
10: Well, we're just scratching the surface. Make sure to pick up this book from Sports Illustrated. It's called Strong Like a Woman, 100 Game-Changing Female Athletes Since 1954. There is a foreword by Billie Jean King as well, and an intro by Stephen Canella, who's the editor-in-chief over there at SI. We've been speaking to the author, our guest, Laken Litman. Laken, congratulations on the book, and have fun following the team around.
12: Thank you so much, and thank you so much for having me.
10: All right, good stuff. I'm Rick Tuttle. We'll take a quick break, and we will come on back with author Steve Barry on the other side, right here on Sports Byline.
14: everyone for baking your way here in this toasty morning are you all ready to jam excellent before we get rolling let's start by hashing out everything bagel will be discussing profit margarines are okay but they could maybe be butter sorry i don't mean to waffle next quarter it's all or muffin did you have a question sausage patty
11: um my name's patricia
14: when you can't take your mind off breakfast it matters where you stay delicious breakfast available at our hilton family of brands hilton for the stay
1: 800-754-4531.
5: Do you have no credit or bad credit? Well, now it's no problem with YourCreditPulse.com. Our experts have the comprehensive knowledge to help you aggressively navigate and remove any irregularities from your credit report. Call 559-761-9421 for the solution you've been looking for, from buying a house or a car or securing your next personal or small business loan. All you have to do to get started with a confidential and free consultation is call 559-761-9421 or go to our website at YourCreditPulse.com now. That's yourcreditpulse.com.
15: It doesn't
2: really matter. I uh, I don't like my job, and uh, I don't think I'm gonna go anymore.
7: Rick Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
10: All right. Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure now to welcome New York Times best-selling author Steve Barry has a brand new novel called The Omega Factor. Steve, welcome to the show. I know this is set in Ghent, which is a city that I love. Um, the castle of the Dukes, downtown, uh, been there a couple of times. It's a great backdrop to uh, the plot. So if you could give us a little thumbnail on uh, what this is all about, please.
16: Here, the, uh, the novel deals with the most stolen, violated and destroyed work of art in history, and that is the Ghent Altarpiece that is located in the Cathedral in Ghent. And if you watch the Monuments Men movie, that's what they're after. <clears throat> Hitler stole it in 1939. The Monuments Men recovered it in '45. Prior to that, in 1934, one of the panels was stolen. It's never been seen since. And then. Another eleven times over the last five hundred years, that painting has been attacked, and that fascinated me. So I wove this modern-day thriller around the Ghent Altarpiece. And what what is the secret? What is it about this thing? What's there that drives people to be so you know so passionate about this this thing?
10: And. Um... You know, as you, I don't, I don't know if you'd call this a historical novel, but when you use a real-world thing like that in real-world, real real-world situations, do you think that kind of ends uh, lends itself to the uh, credibility and and the believability of a of a fictional story?
16: Well, that's my niche. That's what I do. I take something from the past, something real, something obscure that you may not know a lot about, but I'm hoping you're going to want. Want to know more about, and then I write a modern-day thriller around that. So that's sort of the, the niche I have. I have sixteen Cotton Malone novels that do that. Cotton took a year off this year, so I created this new guy, Nicholas Lee, who works for UNESCO and he goes around the world protecting the world's cultural treasures. And my books are, uh, you know, action, history, secrets, conspiracies, international settings. They're great escapes, and uh, they're they're fun. And but along the way, you're pro- you're going to learn some things too, particularly here about the Ghent Altar piece. And then again, about another secret from the Catholic Church. And I know that sounds kind of tired and worn out, but and I've done four books with them. But I came across something that no one had really ever really dealt with much in fiction before, and particularly in thrillers. Uh, And it fascinated me, and so I'm hoping it's going to fascinate the readers. And unfortunately, I don't want to say it because it's a surprise in the novel.
9: Yes.
10: Well, how mouthwatering is it to finally, I mean, as much as you have an established uh, character like Hotton, a new protagonist, as you mentioned, Nicholas Lee, he can be anything you want. It's a blank uh, canvas. So when you were forming him, a UNESCO investigator, what were some of the traits that you were trying to put in him? And then how much is Nicholas Lee you?
16: Well, Cotton Malone is me, so i it's pretty much me, so I didn't put me into Nick. And Nick is really uh, his own person created com- you know completely you know, out of my brain. He's younger than Cotton, so he can be a little more impetuous and uh, not quite as seasoned, but he's older than Luke Daniels, who's the younger guy in the Cotton Malone series, so he was fun. He's right in the middle there. He has a family. He has brothers and sisters. He has a background. He gets caught up with a woman from his past. Who is connected to the Catholic Church here? He gets uh, and and he's thrown into this kind of un, unwittingly drawn into this adventure that he gets, gets, gets pulled into, he was fun to create because I've dealt with cotton for such a long time, and so I had somebody new, somebody fresh, somebody completely uninhibited from the standpoint I'm not locked into any background at all. I can make it whatever I wanted, and, and it, it turned into a great escape, and that's what my books are. They're just escapes. You can forget the world a little bit and have some fun in this other world
10: a woman from the past there, my eyebrows are raised. What uh, can you give us a little bit about uh, her?
16: Yeah, she's, you meet her in chapter one. She's sister Kelsey Deal. So yeah, she, uh, they were going to get married and uh, she broke it off at the end and, and joined a convent because that's what was her calling. And it's been 10 years now and, and he's, Dealt with. He's been dealing with that, and now they're they're thrust back together again. So I wanted to explore a little bit about that. I grew up with nuns, so I had a great uh, uh, respect for them, and uh, it was it was fun to kind of delve into their world.
10: Got more questions for Steve Barry, the new novel, The Omega Factor. The other day, I had uh, Rick Steves uh, on my show. The of course, the travel guru with mm-hmm. uh, the PBS and. I'm lucky enough to go to Europe double digit times, but we were talking about places we still haven't been. And one of the number one places on my list is Carcassonne. And I just, you know, yeah. get a drone shot of that. And I just, I want to go and walk those ramparts and yeah. go to those bastions and towers. And you have a bit of Carcassonne in this as well, don't you?
16: They do. We, we do have it. And I've been there. Uh three times I believe now I've been there there's a lovely hotel by the way inside the walls and that's where you want to stay the hotel coxston you want that you want to stay there it is just beautiful in there you're literally back in another world it's a walled city one of the few left in the world it was um saved in the 19th century and it's there now uh, and you feel like you've gone back to the 16th century there. It's quite impressive when you drive up to it to see it up on the mound there with the walls all around it, and particularly at night, it's quite remarkable. All the all the visitors have gone, the streets are kind of empty, you won't roam through there, and uh, I couldn't resist, I had to put that in the novel.
10: Yeah, I've I've been lucky enough to stay inside Rodenburg of the Tauber, which has some walls, yep. but Carcassonne, you feel like, I would think you were in a fortress, huh?
16: Yeah, Carcassonne's a little different. It it's a it's a it's a little older and a little more, you're right, like it was built to withstand a siege. Where uh Rotenburg, which I've been there, it's lovely as well, a little different city. There's also a abbey in this novel down in the Pyrenees mountains, and there's a, I modeled it after a real one down there called Saint Martin's. It's referenced in the writer's note in the book and it is if you're if you if if Hollywood had built this it would be perfect i mean it looks just like something hollywood built sits up in the mountains side of a cliff has the cloister the crypt, has everything you think of for a mountaintop abbey and uh, i've been up there twice and so this novel the uh, climax of it takes place there
10: very cool so the title of the book can you tell us a little bit about what the omega factor is
16: I wish I could. That would give away the secret. But once you see the surprise, you'll know what I'm talking about. It won't be hard. to You'll you'll pick it up real quick. Uh, I thought it would be vague enough uh, to not give anything away, the title, but also intriguing enough that you'll pick up the book and want to go into it. So if I tell you what that means, it's going to give away that uh, surprise.
10: Yeah, maybe somebody myopic thinks it's a diet book about omega fatty acids or something, right? And they'll pick it up. And... <laughs> no,
16: not quite that. Though. No, not something <laughs> something utterly different.
10: Well, when I think about you know your your niche, as you said about history and what you have done personally, along with your wife, you know, just dedicated to historical preservation and 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 working with the Smithsonian libraries, is that mostly based on? You know, finding old books and preserving them, things like that.
16: Well, I, I love I love things from the past. I love history. Unfortunately, you know, history today begins to it's not being taken care of very well, particularly at a local level. There's a lot of stuff out there deteriorating by the day, and that's why we have History Matters. We go around and help communities raise money for historic preservation. And so, uh, my love of old things, you know, draws me to that. I particularly like old books. I love old rare books. I use a lot of used books when I write my novels, and, uh, and I collect them as well. So there, it's just something that draws me to it, yes.
10: The other thing in this book, and you know, I also uh, grew up Catholic and was around a lot of uh, nuns, and I went to a Catholic high school, went to a Catholic college. There's a lot of uh, theology I took in there. But a secret order of nuns, You know, we always hear about secret uh, brothers and, and priests and uh, Catholic orders, but a secret order of nuns, I, I've, I don't think I've ever heard of that.
16: Well that's why I wanted to try something a little different here and um, and there's a reason why that's there. Again, as it, as will become evident as you get in there. But uh, I wanted to have that that order of nuns. I wanted to have that. They they fascinated me. So I said, well, why not? I mean, you know, uh, there's a couple of bad Dominicans in the book. The poor Dominicans catch you know get you know blamed for everything. I do apologize to them in the writer's note. I you know, but they they've been around a long time, so I think they can handle it. But unfortunately, they kind of get blamed for everything. But here, these nuns were interesting. I all of my books are filled with strong. Female characters—that's uh, a trait of my novels. The—I don't really—I don't have any—I don't have any weak female characters at all. And and these nuns are super alpha female nuns. They're tough, boy, and they—they they get the job done.
10: I think probably the Dominicans had it coming, since the Jesuits
3: usually get blamed for everything, right?
16: Yeah, they both. Yeah, Jesuits and Dominicans—they all get kind of the—you uh, know—unfortunately. <laughs> they just you know we need a bad guy okay there yet there yet and um and i couldn't resist i had to have a, a little bit so i had to use a couple
0: of them i'm sorry
10: <laughs> <laughs> uh finally steve um uh, you've probably been asked this a million times but for this book if you think about it as you know a netflix or amazon prime special or even just a feature film do you think of anyone uh for, for nicholas uh, uh well or- uh, he-
16: there's a lot of people could play him because he's, he's just, you know, in his thirties there and he'd be, you know, a lot, it could be a wide range of actors. I mean, you know, I'd be cool if somebody would bring it to life. I've had a lot of talk about Cotton Malone over the years, been optioned about 10 times, just a lot of talk, but no one's ever actually put it together. And, come with a check and said i'm ready to go and uh but it would be fun if somebody would pick him up uh the great thing about this is it's a standalone so you just buy one book when you buy cotton you got to buy 16 of them so it's a bargain so maybe if some producer out there would find it uh find it interesting i think it'd make a terrific movie actually
10: yeah no it's all he the character almost is indiana jones ask if i if you think about it and i maybe bradley cooper how about him
16: he could, absolutely, absolutely, he could be he could be uniquely, um, that's why I said that I wrote him in such a way, and I described him in a very vague way as well, so that he could, you know, he could be pretty flexible. I do the same with Cotton, I don't give a lot of expo description for him, so it kind of leaves the options open, so who knows, maybe I will get to see it come to life one day, it'd be really neat.
10: All right, this sounds uh, really cool. A new novel by New York Times bestselling author, our guest, Steve Berry. Pick it up, and it is called The Omega Factor. Steve, congratulations on the book. Thanks for stopping by and talking about it.
16: Thank you for having me, ben. It's out there now in stores. Hopefully people will love it.
10: All right, good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back on Sports Byline USA.
14: Call Rate Genius now.
1: 800 811 7913. 800 811 7913. 800 811 7913. That's 800 811
0: 7913. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors.
17: If you're taking a calcium supplement, it's probably not doing what you think it is.
7: You must be crazy. You's a D-O-G, and if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
10: All right. Thank you for that. You know, the rest of the show, we only um, have a couple more guests. It's a good day to call in, but coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll have the return of Mickey Sudo. Uh, Mickey Sudo is the undisputed king of the hot dog eating contest out there in Coney Island. Nathan's. And she didn't get to do it last year because she was like nine months pregnant. We'll talk to her coming up. And then we'll talk to Luca Fury, uh, first segment in the third hour about MMA. But other than that, open lines at 800-878-PLAY. Robert in Michigan uh, tweeting out uh, that uh, two-time Olympic gold medalist, Claressa Shields in Flint, Michigan, getting a street named after her. The corner of Saginaw and Spencer is now in the corner of Saginaw and Claressa Shields Street which is very cool. And I like how Robert is uh, very proud of where he's from. Uh, I think it's cool that he's got that uh, civic pride uh, as well. But the other thing I wanted to bring up yesterday was that somebody on Twitter, I won't say who it is. I I don't know who it is. I mean, I can see the name here, but liked one of my tweets from over four years ago. And... (laughs) And it was, it's from June 2018, and I just wonder if there's some sort of algorithm, because there's no way somebody would scroll back four years, would they? I mean, I guess if they were trying to see if I said something racist or sexist or anti-Semitic or homophobic, whatever, if somebody was trying to cancel me, I guess you could look back. I do remember when I put, I'll have Kate Upton on the show today, hubba hubba, I actually wrote that. That was like six years ago. That might get me in hot water now. I'm just—I t- mean, I don't delete any of my tweets. If anybody has them, they've already taken a screenshot of them, so it doesn't make any sense to delete. But yeah, I wrote hubba hubba. I would not write that now. Makes me sound like I'm objectifying and I'm a dirty old man and everything else. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there are things I'd be embarrassed by, but I just wonder when I get some <laughs> when I get somebody who likes a tweet from over four years ago. I just I don't know I don't know what that is. Maybe maybe it's best that I don't know. If somebody is scrolling back four years, then um, I hope you had a good time. I'm Rick We got two more hours. Come on back on Sports Violent.
9: TSA
18: Radio News with Tim Berg. Flight cancellations and delays have been creating headaches for holiday weekend travelers. The flight tracking website FlightAware showing over 2,500 flights canceled nationwide Sunday. Most of the problems were blamed on bad weather and a pilot shortage in the United States. The TSA saying Friday was the busiest air travel day of 2022 and that TSA officers screen nearly two and a half million people at security checkpoints. A new survey out says Americans can expect a recession.
0: Economists surveyed by the Wall Street Journal have dramatically raised their probability of a recession, now putting it at 44% in the next year. It should be noted this level is only seen on the edge of an actual recession.
18: Lance Pry reporting from the USA Radio News West Coast Bureau. You're listening to USA Radio News.
0: Paid for by govmint.com. Have you heard? The United States Mint has issued the Morgan Silver Dollar for the first time in 100 years. Not only that, but they are also minted in 99.9% pure silver for the first time ever in history. Coin experts are calling this an amazing opportunity for anyone that knows the enduring popularity of Morgans. But you must hurry. Only 175,000 legal tender silver dollars were issued. These Morgan Silver Dollars are brand new, bright and shiny legal tender coins minted by the iconic Philadelphia Mint. Just call 1 1- and you are guaranteed a new 99.9% pure silver Morgan dollar. The first time in history this has happened, but with limited quantities, you must call now to order. To learn more, call 1-800-888-7630. If you order now, you will receive a free collector bonus, a $25 value free with every order. Call 1-800-888-7630 now to secure your new Morgan silver dollars before they are gone. That's 1-800-888-7630.
18: Russian forces are blocking wheat and other exports from Ukrainian ports. Speaking remotely and through translation at the global policy firm, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky talks about how this could expand the refugee crisis.
12: Russian war against us has uh, triggered also a global food crisis. And unless we stop this, uh, 12
10: million displaced people will be just a drop in the sea.
18: He says Ukraine needs military and humanitarian assistance as well as help rebuilding their infrastructure and economy. The only ticket stub of Michael Jordan's North Carolina debut, believed to be in existence, is hitting the auction block. The stub is from November 1981, when the Tar Heels played the Kansas Jayhawks at the Charlotte Stadium. Experts predict it could sell for over $10,000. Auction for the ticket stub will end on June 25th. USA Radio News
13: right now people are home with their pets more often and i think now especially with the shedding they're more cognizant of what's going on and that it's an actual issue and Dynovite has helped tremendously in our house with that
3: i just heard the dynabite commercial so many times i said you know what I'll, I'll give it a shot and i ordered it and tried it and it worked the Dynovite, the being at home working with them they all love it me
13: and chewie are together 24 7
3: within three weeks he's not scratching and itching and he's an all-around happier dog
13: d-i-n-o-v-i-t-e dot com
18: an illegally leaked draft decision suggesting the Supreme Court plans to overturn Roe v. Wade has sparked protests outside the homes of Supreme Court justices. Louisiana Republican Senator John Kennedy says it's more than about abortion. It's about respect for American institutions.
0: I, I, I think most people
16: can see that all of this is being driven by the anti-intellectual um, crypto-socialist woke left.
18: He says the Biden administration is not pushing back against the intimidation of Supreme Court justices. Minor league basketball player Miles Copeland recently jumped into action and performed CPR when a referee passed out in the middle of the game. Copeland is also a firefighter and tells Fox News he never really feels off the job. CPR
3: is uh, important to be able to know what to look for uh, a heart attack can happen to anyone, anywhere, at any time, um, so knowing the
19: right steps to be able to take yeah. before a paramedics skip there uh, could really save brain function.
18: The referee is reportedly scheduled soon for heart surgery. The Lightning are looking to strike back in the Stanley Cup Finals. The two-time defending champions host the Avalanche for Game 3 tonight in Tampa. Colorado enters with momentum on its side after crushing Tampa Bay 7-0 in Game 2 to take a two-games-to-nothing series lead. For USA Radio News, I'm Tim Berg.
10: Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. <clears throat> Rick Tittle with you, coast-to-coast, border-to-border, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. You know, I saw yesterday that uh, Lorenzo Kane got DFA'd by the uh, brew crew on the same day he reached 10 years of uh, service time. And this is a guy, a career 283 hitter. Think about that. And, of course, a key figure at the Royals winning back-to-back pennants and, um, you know, losing to the Giants and then winning the World Series and, you know, got MVP votes a couple times All-Star. Only one gold glove, but during his whole career, he's been recognized and considered one of the best center fielders in the game. He really was. Uh, And this season, you know, it's just father time. He's under the Mendoza line batting 179. And uh, last year he batted two fifty-seven, which would lead my A's in hitting, but that, of course, was a big drop-off for his talents. But he was a huge figure for the Brewers' run. Remember, the day that they traded for Christian Yelich, they signed Lorenzo Cain. They overnight had the best outfield in all of the National League and turned the Brewers uh, into uh, players, into contenders there at uh, Miller Park. But um, you know, I just remember those Royals teams as they were building them uh, at uh, Kansas City. And I remember being in the dugout talking with Hosmer. This was in Oakland, Hosmer and Mostakis and Dane Duffy and, and Kane and guys like that. Salvador Perez, they were very approachable. They were very nice guys. You know, I thought the same thing about Altuve and Bregman in the, <laughs> the early days of the Astros. Now they're vilified. But that Kansas City team was hard to hate. It, it really was. It was a very, very likable bunch of guys who Billy Butler, Rick, I eh, don't know about country breakfast. But anyway, uh, what a great career uh, if this is it for Lorenzo Kane. All right, when we come back, Mickey Sudo, no one eats hot dogs better than her when it comes to ladies. Come on back on Sports Byline.
5: Here at Total Wine & More, you'll love what you find, especially our totally low prices.
14: That rosé you recommended was a hit. What should we try for more fun in the sun this weekend?
5: This silver tequila makes a refreshing tequila sunrise.
14: <laughs> Perfect. Wow, that price is refreshing too.
5: Love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Pick up and delivery available at TotalWine.com. Drink responsibly, B21. Come on.
0: Welcome to the Everyday Hotel. You'll be on the second floor and your other room will be on the 14th.
11: Wait, we asked for connecting rooms? These are 12 floors apart.
0: We tried, ma'am, but technically they're only 11 floors apart. We don't have a 13th floor.
11: (laughs) We can't be 11 floors away from our kids. I don't see a problem. Stuart!
14: When you want separate rooms, but not that separate, it matters where you stay. Only Hilton offers confirmed connecting rooms at the time of booking.
9: Check
5: out Channel 9. Check out Rick
10: Tunnel. Welcome back to Sports Byline USA. Coast to coast, border to border, around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome back the show once again the best eater in the world when it comes to uh, the women. It is Mickey Sudo, and she will be trying to claim her crown back at the Nathan's Famous Fourth of July International Hot Dog Eating Contest. It's coming back to the iconic Nathan's Famous flagship restaurant with the corner of Surf and Stillwell at Coney Island. Uh, I've been out there. It's a fantastic location. And, uh, Mickey, welcome back to the program. I say you're trying to get your crown back. It's not like you lost last year. You, You were nine months pregnant where there's still people saying, ah, you got room inside you. You should participate anyway.
13: Oh my gosh, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um yeah, no no part of me even considered competitive eating um when I was pregnant. You know, I just feel like that that real estate was reserved for Max. Um so no, no. I, I hung it up for the full nine months. Um, and probably two months afterwards, uh, while nursing. But I'm super happy to be back, and I'm uh, yeah, like you said, I'm a uh, I am I did not technically lose my crown, so I still I can still say that I'm undefeated at Nathan's. I just happened to sit a year out, um, but I'll be going for my eighth belt, and uh, maybe a great year to hit a new record.
10: Well, that's the thing too, and I don't want to jinx you, but Michelle Lesko won last year, and she ate just over 30 dogs. You can do thirty standing on your head. I mean, you're close to. You can do close to fifty, can't you?
13: Fifty is the goal this year. Uh, you know, what the thing is, when I was sitting out last year, I was, I was. Every year, I cheer Michelle on because I know she has more in her. I, I think just, uh, you know, she needs that extra push. So hopefully, uh, she finds some new motivation this year. But I'd love to see her hit a personal record as well. We've got uh, also Sarah Reinecke on the women's side. Uh, she's kind of. Promising to do somewhere in the thirty range, um, so we'll see. Or maybe somebody new will pop in at the qualifiers. There's two. There, there's still two qualifying events left, uh, one in California this weekend, one in DC at the end of the month. So who knows? Maybe some unknown person will jump in.
10: The thing I love about uh, you, professional uh, eaters, too, is it's not just once a year hot dogs. It's it's everything. Like you know, like when you're, <laughs> you know, gumbo pasta. Uh, you know, whatever it would be, gyoza. What Queen would be cheese, ice cream? You name it. <laughs> what would be your favorite one outside of uh, hot dogs that you really look forward to?
13: Oh gosh, you know, so many, of, so much of that is dependent on the crowd because every city, every crowd, brings a unique energy. So that's kind of hard to pick a favorite. Um, but based on food alone, I love chicken wings and baby back ribs. So, uh, that's completely, you know, just speaking strictly food, those are two of my favorite events.
10: Now, what about the one that made you gag the most? Like a Twinkie eating contest sounds fun, but like, did that get old real fast?
13: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, after 10 minutes, every food starts to feel a little bit redundant. Um, are just not as delicious as the first bite uh you know okay so there's nothing wrong with oysters but i have a personal aversion to to oysters and uh crawfish actually so um i always said that i would sit those contests out but i was offered an amazing opportunity to go to uh to ireland for a three-minute oyster eating championship so uh you know i decided to put my my personal Fears aside, and uh, you know, enjoy five days in oysterland. Oyster five days in Ireland in exchange for three minutes of oysters, and uh, it was a, it was a personal challenge, but it was a wonderful experience.
10: I think Vienna is the capital of Austria, isn't it? Uh,
13: yeah, <laughs>
10: yeah,
13: exactly.
10: Well, when I think about Nick coming in third last year i mean are people just assuming that max is now going to destroy all records or maybe max doesn't want to get into this
13: yeah no i I think we're going to encourage max to do everything that he's interested in but maybe not competitive eating and uh and bodybuilding it's just when you're so when you're so closely tied to something you just see like the good the bad the ugly You, you know and it's just uh i think a little i feel like I'm a little bit protective when it comes to Max entering competitive eating. So, you know, But I don't know. I, I think he's just going to have other interests.
10: You know, I just looked up that oyster thing in Hillsborough, Northern Ireland, eight years ago. You came in second place. You ate 145 oysters in three minutes. Was the winner some local crazy Irish guy, Irish person or what?
13: Uh, he was uh, yeah colin was the oyster king probably still would be had he not retired he was undefeated at the at that event and uh, you know major league eating sent the best of their best and actually people who who liked oysters too and nobody could beat him except for michelle Lesko, actually she was the one she was the she was the one who finally took the crown from him uh, i want to say in 2014 maybe 2015
10: so for you now getting back to nathan's is the same The same strategy, the way you dip the buns in water or how you chow down, you know, like a beaver 100 miles per hour. I mean, have you (laughs) have you changed your strategy or is it just I know it works and I'm going to do this?
13: Yeah, I think for better or worse, I I just stick with my strategy. It's kind of it's hard to learn something, but it's almost harder to unlearn something, uh, especially after, you know, eight years, nine years running. So, yeah, like you mentioned, I, I grab two meats. I bite, bite, bite sever those pieces, swallow them whole. I really don't chew anything and kind of repeat that. While I'm doing that, I'll dunk a bun, dunk that in my uh, in my tropical drink, uh, <laughs> kind of roll the bun into a loose ball, pop that in my mouth, and I swallow that too. So It's, it's really just, it's very simple, and it just requires a little bit of coordination and uh, rinse and repeat and hopefully, and if I can average five a minute, I can make it to 50. I know I have the space for it. Um, so, yeah. That'll be my goal for this
10: year. Very cool. You know, when I look at the, the, the history of what you've been doing now I'm basically a decade and, you know, I'm looking Amazing. at 15 pounds of euros and 14 pounds of pumpkin pie. Was What was the one thing where you woke up the next morning going, never again, I've never felt worse?
13: Oh, my gosh. So this wasn't even, I didn't even come close to first place, right? But we had a spam eating contest. Um, This was spam straight out of the can. And that was another food that I I was kind of iffy about. Uh, I want to say I ate eight cans of spam, something like that, in eight minutes. Uh, The winner did 13. I think Nick did 12 or something like that. Anyway, just because of the high sodium content, Mm. that that was a little bit tough the next day you know it was a great event it was a lot of fun and uh it's part of the just occupational hazard I guess.
10: with you uh being the undisputed king or queen i should say of this is there an exit strategy like oh i'll do it three more years or do you think i'm just going to keep doing this for the next 20 years
13: yeah i'm going to do this for as long as it's fun uh you know now it's a family thing with We've brought Max to he's 11 months old and I think we've brought him to like 11 contests already. So you know it's something that I get to enjoy with Nick, who's obviously a competitor and my best friend love my wife fiance and all that. Um, now we bring Max. It's a whole family affair, so I'll be doing this for as long as it's fun and uh, I don't see myself slowing down anytime soon.
10: What would be um, like I know you spent time in Japan as a kid. Do they still like embrace you? Like can you walk down the street? In other words, are you big in Japan?
13: I don't think I'm as well known. Uh, I definitely, I've enjoyed some airtime, but they have um, they have like a regular cast of competitive eaters that uh, do, uh, I don't know, nationwide competitions that are broadcast, I don't know, regularly. So I think they have people that are really big over there, and I'm just kind of like a, I've gotten spotlights here and there. So around the 4th of July, I enjoy a lot of press but otherwise uh, it'd be great to participate in some of the Japanese contests um, eventually.
10: Yeah. One more question for you and that, and that is do people get frustrated by the fact that Nick is a professional eater and he also has a six-pack because that makes no sense?
13: <laughs> the funny thing is he'll say that that's uh you know it's a detriment or the six-pack actually works against him because it's it, Holds his abdominal wall in place or something. He has this theory where it makes it harder for his stomach to stretch. So, you know, I'm not going to, he's not going to get any sympathy out of me for, you know, I'll pour you. You have the six pack that makes it hard to eat, but I don't know. I guess it's a gift and a curse and he'll tell you, he'll talk your ear off Stop that.
10: All right, we've been speaking with Mickey Sudo, trying to get back to her rightful place uh, at the top of the Nathan's famous 4th of July International Hot Dog Eating Contest. This will air on ESPN. It will also be on ESPN3. It'll be on ESPN News. And of course, on the 4th of July right there at Coney Island at the head restaurant for Nathan's. Mickey, thanks for coming on and uh, best of luck. And um, we'll catch up with you next time.
13: Yeah, sounds great. Thank
10: you so much. All right, good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break, and we'll come on back on Sports Byline.
1: Pricing information, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654. That's 800-915-9654.
6: Here's a great way to save money on your prescription medications. If you take Viagra or Cialis, we can give you a way to pay as little as $2 a pill. Call Pharmacy Shop 24-7 to get generic versions of Viagra or Cialis for as little as $2 a pill, plus free discreet shipping.
1: 800-709-4409. 800-709-4409. 800-709-4409. That's 800-709-4409.
11: No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror?
17: because good is dumb.
7: Rick Tittle always goes commando.
10: All right. Thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. We got open lines at 1-800-878-PLAY. You know, on the one hand, I've got people texting me. You're going to the parade, right? You're going to the parade. So you get the parade. See so you get the parade. Uh, no. And I never like it when somebody has a job like mine and they come on and they go, the all-star game. Who cares? I didn't watch it. I don't want to hear that, you know, so as I said, if you want to go to the parade, have a great time, you know, I hope you enjoy it, especially if you've never done it before. Um, but I just, I'm also, you know, I still have nightmares over the giants, uh, parade, um, where, yeah, I just wonder how crazy it's going to get. And I have a feeling it shouldn't be as crazy because this is the fourth in the last eight years and. The ones in Oakland went on without a hitch. They were fantastic, but there's just something about that bottleneck of market street with the BART stations feeding right in off the sidewalks and all this these skyscrapers and then the bums. I don't know. I know they said that they were trying to clean up the streets <clears throat> before the parade, but how do you do that? Because, You know, the civil rights in this town go to now Sanctuary City, which basically means if, um, you know, you're illegal and you can get here, then you're safe. If you can avoid all the laws and law enforcement and borders. So you're pretty much uh, free to do anything you want in this town outside of attacking somebody. So, uh, you know, we always heard the stories about Seoul, Korea before the Olympics that they had a homeless problem and it went away overnight and no one knew what happened to everybody. Yeah, it's very draconian. It's very scary. That wasn't going to happen here. But um, no, I'm not going to be at the parade, but I hope you have a great time. It's only because, as I've said, I have seen six parades, 76 trombones in the big parade, Um, and I walked in three of them. I worked one of them. That was the last of the three in Oakland, or maybe it was the second. I don't know. But I was on the corner of Grand and Lakeshore, and I was at uh, Christ the King Cathedral. That was my spot. And so I think it was Towney and Steinmetz were running it from – they were hosting it from the convention – Henry J. Kaiser Convention Center, and I was – um uh, at the corner, and so every once in a while they go, Rick Tittle, what are you seeing? I go, Libby Schaff on a giant copper snail, which is spewing fire. They did have that. It was like this 20-foot-high snail mobile. <laughs> Can I drive this down the street? No. How about now? No. How about at 3 a.m.? No. How about in a parade? Okay. <laughs> that would be about the only time. <clears throat> so I hope you have a great time. All right. Also in Brookline, mass, we had the U S open and, you know, golf has never been more in the headlines, um, for general sports than now. And I don't care what tiger story you had, um, what, uh, Ryder cup story you have, it goes away. You know, tiger will dominate the headlines for four days and a weekend, but then we start talking about other stuff. This golf thing with live golf and all the controversy, Golf has never, at least since I've been in broadcasting since the late eighties, been more in the headlines on a daily basis. And so a guy named Matt Fitzpatrick shot a 68 yesterday at the country club. You got to love that. And beat Will Zalatoris and Scotty Scheffler by a stroke. It was his first major in the same place where he won the U.S. Amateur nine years ago. And Zalatoris for him. What's that? Three runners up now. He was less than an inch away from going to a playoff. The ball looked into the hole and said, nah, I'll keep going. Sorry. But, you know, when when Phil Mickelson stepped to the microphone on Monday morning to address the Rebel Live Golf League that he helped launched, I mean, there was just a pall washing over, uh, you know, the whole U.S. Open and. He sounded embarrassed, and his his shame sort of permeated the property, but it went away when they started golfing. And I remember talking to a, a golf guy saying, "Will Phil, make the cut. He said, no. I said no. And yes, he did not make the cut. <clears throat> not a hard call. But like it or not, there have been a lot of people who – uh, whether you hate live golf or not it's here to stay um and um you can you can hate it or or not hate it but this guy um his fits magic for matt fitzpatrick uh, an englishman first player to earn his first pga tour at the us open since Graham mcdowell did it another you know, guy from the home islands back in 2010 and uh and um as I said, not just his uh, first major, but his first PGA Tour victory. This, is like, I, I did not, I had never heard of Matt Fitzpatrick. I'm not a huge golf guy. I know the big names. Did not know Matt Fitzpatrick. And <clears throat> you know, um, Greg Norman, what he's doing for the Live Golf. Could it ever permeate the you know century-old fortress built around these majors? And not yet, because, you know, if you think about Colin Morikawa, who I always root for because he went to school at Berkeley, at Cal, he led at the halfway point. He tried to become the first golfer to win three majors in his first 11 starts since the Masters started in 1934. I think it's funny. They said he faded away on Saturday with a 77. Can you imagine that, having a bad round at 77? But at one point yesterday, Scotty Scheffler, who's the number one player in the world, and John Rahm, who's the number two, and Roy McIlroy, who's the number three, they were all in the top four on the leaderboard. But Rahm and McElroy couldn't capitalize on their opportunities. McElroy wasted one of the greatest putting performances of his career, uh, leading the field nearly 10 strokes gained on putting. Scheffler hung on for dear life down the stretch and tried to achieve the very, rare masters u.s open double and then fitzpatrick led zalatoris at the turn they were both of course seeking their first majors and first pga tour wins but the next two hours as we've talked about everything but golf you saw some great golf a two-shot swing at number 11 gave zalatoris a two-shot lead over fitzpatrick's and as i mentioned zalatoris grabbed the ball out of the cup and pumped his fist, strutting like hell, I'm going to win, I'm going to win. Remember that PGA Championship playoff loss to Justin Thomas a month ago? But Fitzpatrick struck back on 13. It was tight again. Pars at 14. The long wait on 15. The, The fans had to squeeze through a narrow alley. There were turkeys, literally turkeys, running around. And then Fitzpatrick, you know, what was he thinking? He was you know, tied atop the leaderboard at the U.S. Open with the man standing next to him. And, you know, the next four holes were going to determine history. Fitzpatrick said after the event, quote, you're just trying to tell yourself, just stop, just have a break, just stop thinking about it. It's not there yet. And it wasn't there. But after that hole, it was nearly his. Because Fitzpatrick got down the fairway, Zalatoris made a bogey and dropped two back. And Fitzpatrick barely parred, but it was enough. And then Fitzpatrick said, the later hole in the bunker, one of the best shots I've ever hit out of the bunker, two putted for par and avoided a near-miss birdie from Zalatoris." as I said, that would have set the tournament into a two-hole playoff. Ran past the hole. And he turned uh, to his caddy, Billy Foster, who was already crying. And then chaos ensued, as it always does. Rory hugged him, his Ryder Cup teammate. Fitzpatrick's brother, Alex, who caddied for him nine years ago at the AM. He was in tears. He hugged his dad on Father's Day, who could barely breathe. And it just goes to show that the United States may not be the home of golf. But if you think about what the USGA has done with these tournaments, and the PGA tour and you know, you got $3.15 million for winning this instead of a $200 million, you know, appearance to go into a league. I don't think live golf is ever going to match this because they're never going to care as much if it's just about money and not history and not tradition and not the trophy and not everything you put into it. There's something to be said when you're being paid more than the prize money is going to (laughs) be. It's just, I don't know. It's going to take a long time before Live Golf can live up to moments like that. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back. Not sports.
4: At Wendy's, we make breakfast better. Like with our breakfast baconator. Better from top to bottom bun. Savory sausage patty? Better. Crispy oven baked bacon? Better. Fresh cracked egg? Better. The breakfast baconator might just be the greatest breakfast sandwich of all time. So you can keep settling for not better, or you can get a better breakfast from Wendy's. Tough choice. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's better breakfast. waiting US Wendy's during breakfast hours.
6: Have you
18: ever wished the student-athlete in your family could play baseball against teams in the Caribbean? Well, now they can set sail and do just that with Team Avenue Baseball on one of its iconic Caribbean cruise camps. That's right. If they love baseball and want an experience they'll never forget, then you need to call 559-321-6701 or visit TeamAvenubaseball.com right now. Founded by former pro ball players, teamavenuebaseball.com will lead to the baseball adventure of a lifetime. Call 559 321 6701
8: now. You're so ugly, you can be a modern art masterpiece.
7: I'm 33% sure Rick Tittle is the father of my child, but I'm 100% sure Rick Tittle is a jackass.
10: All right, that's fantastic. Um, Forgot to mention at the top of the show, um, as I did the other day, I forgot to mention D-Day, which isn't like me until like the very end of the show, and I realized it was the 6th of June. A a happy Juneteenth, which technically was yesterday, but uh, celebrating it today. And a uh, now a federal holiday. And um, if you want to know the exact origin of it, it was General Order Number no. Three by Union Army General Gordon Granger, June nineteenth, eighteen sixty-five, proclaiming freedom for anyone who was a slave in Texas. Yeah, it's uh, you don't really think of Texas as a slave state. It's definitely a Southern state, but <clears throat> at least I don't. Think of Texas at the top of my list <clears throat> with uh, cotton fields and such things. But it is a holiday, um, obviously, most important for people of African-American heritage. But it's a holiday for all Americans. You know, at, at any point when us as American citizens uh, gain freedom in any way, what other ethnicity you're with, I mean, it's something to celebrate for sure. Also, I wanted to mention couple of baseball notes well actually let me wrap up the golf let's do that okay rick do you have a producer no i don't doing this on the fly i mentioned scotty scheffler fell one stroke of a playoff with matt fitzpatrick yesterday but there was a nice consolation prize waiting for him at the end because um, sharing second place prize money with uh, will zalatoris he got 1.56 million dollars In doing so, Scheffler has now set, think about this, the all-time record for most money earned in a single season on the PGA Tour. Not Nicholas, not Palmer. Of course, the money wasn't as big then. That makes sense. But more than Tiger in a year? Is that true? Well, $12,896,849 to be exact. Just under three mil, but he has seven weeks remaining on the PGA Tour regular season calendar, and the previous record holder was another former Longhorn golfer at a UT Austin, Jordan Spieth. He held the record with twelve million thirty thousand four hundred sixty five. So the only other players who have earned more than ten million dollars in a single season is Tiger Woods in 2005 and 2007. And Vijay Singh was the first to do it in 2004. So capturing four victories in a six-tournament stretch, he is the number one golfer in the world. And, of course, the breakthrough was the Masters. He got $2 million there. And um, he was the runner-up at the Charles Schwab challenge he lost in a playoff to Sam Burns and those two instances add to his close calls. Um, He was also just short at the HPE Houston Open but so far Scheffler has four victories and three runners up and becomes the fourth player since 2000 to have at least seven such finishes in a season with Spieth Phil Mickelson twice and Tiger Woods (laughs) four times Um, I think it's interesting, too. It's sort of like Nolan Ryan with all the no-hitters. You know, he has 12 one-hitters. Think about that. Nolan Ryan has 12 one-hitters. You know, he could have had nearly 20 no-hitters. But on paper, um, Scheffler's results are very similar to those of Spieth in 2015. Masters, U.S. Open, Valspar Championship, John Deere Classic, 1-1-1-1. And then that added the three runners-up, one stroke short of a playoff at the British Open at St. Andrews. So Scheffler and the rest of the world's best will be traveling to that exact course in the next month for the final championship of the year. <clears throat> and that's the, that's the biggie. I, as someone who, you know, when I grew up, I didn't know anyone who golfed. Not one person, not my dad, not my grandfather, none of my friends. I had one friend's dad who golfed, but, you know, I didn't hang out with him. It just wasn't in my life in any way, shape or form, even though I grew up across from a golf course and we would take little putters and putt in there and then get chased off the course. (laughs) Rick, I can't believe you didn't develop a love. Oh, I always liked peewee golf or as they say back east, putt, putt golf. But now. Think about this. I mentioned John Rom with that great Spanish name representing Spain. He entered the U S open obviously as the defending champion. And, um, while you could say the championship was stolen from him, his golf ball had the same thing happen in the first round. He was on the 18th hole, his tee shot sailing left landing under the TV tower started heading over there and saw two youngsters run over, pick up the ball and run away with it. And so he kept his cool and why wouldn't he? He was granted a free drop. He then had an unobstructed lane and hit the new ball up onto the green, made a putt, help him finish one under at 69. And the situation was treated very lightly Rom kind of joked about it, saying he knows what the thieves look like because they weren't subtle about running away with it. He said, I'm pretty sure I know who it was. I recognize the two kids that were running the opposite way with a smile on their face. I am 100% sure I saw the two kids that stole it. But I was thinking about that. (laughs) Now, what was I thinking about? What I was thinking about is that if you wanted to, Couldn't you put a couple of kids in the crowd? Uh Aha. You see where I'm going with this? (laughs) Put a couple of kids in the crowd. And then when you hit a bad shot, like under a TV tower, have those kids run over, grab it, and run away. What's the worst thing that's going to happen to the kids, especially if they're minors? What if it's a 12-year-old or a 14-year-old, right? They're going to kick them out of the course. They might, you know try and find them, they're not going to be arrested. They're not going to have some kind of criminal record. It's like, that's, you know, you have been disqualified. Even if you're banned for life from the course, who cares? Right. Excuse me. So something to keep in mind. All right. Um, that's the golf. Um, a couple of baseball notes, as I was mentioning, something very interesting happened on Saturday. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds against the Milwaukee Brewers. Reds pitcher by the name of Graham Ashcraft, that's right, Ashcraft, he was told to remove his wedding ring from under his glove. And that's because he was getting checked for a foreign substance uh, in the first inning. And he was, let's say, incredulous about taking his wedding ring off. And Major League Baseball, of course, issued advisory this week that it would begin enforcing a rule on hand, finger, and wrist attachments. So I don't know what a hand attachment is, but I know a wrist can be a bracelet or a watch, and a finger is going to be a ring, right? So this is just to prevent pitchers from wearing foreign substances on their hands. It's in his glove hand. So Ashcraft said after the game, the umpire said, you have to take your ring off. I was like, no, why do I have to take my ring off? I shouldn't have to. Apparently, it's some rule they came up with yesterday. Well, the rule now is called 6.02 C7 in the MLB rulebook. That pitchers, quote, may not attach anything to their hand, any finger, or either wrist, end quote. This rule now gives umpires the autonomy to determine whether any attachment should be considered a foreign substance, but in no case may the pitcher be allowed to pitch with such attachment to his hand, finger, or wrist. Now, you'd think common sense would say, yeah, on your pitching hand. That's been around forever. I remember um, where I grew up, a lot of people, their cultural thing was... You know, even in the 80s was, you know, uh, men were wearing earrings and a lot of jewelry and a lot of necklaces. And sometimes you'd get scraped up. And so there was a rule that you couldn't wear jewelry. And believe me, I saw a lot of fighting and kicking over people who had to take off their necklace. But a wedding ring under your glove. Now, what if he's one of these guys that says, I never took off my wedding ring the whole time I was married? And that's a big deal to him. Well, you don't have to pitch if you don't want (laughs) to. So the rule has been on the books for a little bit, not just yesterday. But uh, Red's manager, David Bell, who still is employed there, he said that the umpire said we only started enforcing it on Friday. So uh, Ashcraft, what's funny is he put his wedding ring on his necklace for the remainder of the game and then it didn't work out for him he, uh, well because the, uh, this guy's 24 years old. He gave up eight hits, had a season-high six runs, and the Reds lost 7-3. to three. <clears throat> Yeah. But if you're a team like that, you need a little hope, right? And I segue into the Pittsburgh Pirates. This guy, Sawinski, yesterday against the Giants. I was watching some of that game. Pretty incredible. Uh, what he did with not just three home runs, but with the walk-off as well. And you go through the annals of uh, sports. He is the first Pirates player with multiple walk-off home runs in a single month since Wally Westlake in 1947, which is pretty amazing. But Sawinski became the first rookie in Major League Baseball history to have a three-homer game that also included a walk-off. So you need, this guy's wearing number 65, right, for the Pirates. There's a guy wearing number 61 who's just been called up, and that is O'Neal Cruz. This is a guy who appeared in a couple games late last season. They sent him to AAA to start the season. He's remained there since his promotion. 23 years old, six seven, shortstop. He is the tallest shortstop in Major League Baseball history. (laughs) Okay. Um, They used to say it was Cal Ripken at 6'4", but then Corey Seager was also 6'4". But uh, so far, this guy in the uh, minors, 17 home runs, 19 steals, but he's only hitting two thirty three. But this guy is uh, – sort of, you know, it kind of reminds you when you saw Michael Jordan at the plate. He looked kind of gangly. He didn't look like a baseball player. But this guy is a baseball player. And so it didn't take him long to make an impact on his season debut. Went two for five and then homered in his next game in the last season uh, – last game of the season for the Pirates last year. So now they're going to put him apparently in left field uh, where they've experimented with him. But he's also played shortstop as well. So, I would think they're going to put him at shortstop, play him there every day, and see what they get out of him. All I have to say is, I wish my team, the A's, had a guy like Sawinski or Cruz. And of course, they've also signed a couple of their young stars in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has some rays of hope. The A's are moving to Las Vegas. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Bio.
17: bone and Algae Cal Plus contains all of them and it's proudly made in the USA. Your calcium doesn't increase bone density, Algae Cal Plus does. Talk to one of our bone health consultants today and see how Algae Cal Plus can start increasing your bone density. Call now.
1: 800-437-8217, 800-437-8217, 800-437-8217. 800-760-1845. That's eight hundred seven six zero eighteen forty five. 760 1845
17: You can't be serious, man.
9: You cannot be serious!
7: Rick Tittle is a majestic stallion.
10: Ah, we got another hour to go. Let me tell you about Free All Deep Penetrating Oil, the original Rust Eater. For over 40 years, Free All has been the penetrating oil trusted by professionals to get the job right. The secrets in the sauce, the three-part proprietary, it's a nice word, proprietary three-part formula, the lubricant. Free all contains significantly more lubricant by volume in the competition, so there's more loosening agent attacking those rusty frozen parts. The rust seeker, this highly mobile, ultra low viscosity, slow evaporating, seeking agent delivers the lubricant faster and farther than typical solvents. And that means more lubricant arrives at the scene before that solvent evaporates. The rust eater, the third part. It's their highly refined, naturally occurring ingredient, literally eats the rust away. And the rust eater also provides its own lubricating film, or as they say in Ireland, film, meaning that their penetrant won't evaporate quickly. It's all about free all, deep penetrating oil, Free-all's, freeze nuts and bolts, guaranteed the original rust eater. All right, I'm the original donut eater. So I got to do some sit-ups and we'll come back. We got another hour of titillating sports.
2: TSA
18: Radio News with Tim Berg. Flight cancellations and delays have been creating headaches for holiday weekend travelers. The flight tracking website FlightAware showing over 2,500 flights canceled nationwide Sunday. Most of the problems were blamed on bad weather and a pilot shortage in the United States. The TSA saying Friday was the busiest air travel day of 2022 and that TSA officers screen nearly two and a half million people at security checkpoints. A new survey out says Americans can expect a recession.
0: Economists surveyed by the Wall Street Journal have dramatically raised their probability of a recession, now putting it at 44% in the next year. It should be noted this level is only seen on the edge of an actual recession.
18: Lance Pry reporting from the USA Radio News West Coast Bureau. You're listening to USA Radio News.
0: Paid for by govmint.com. Have you heard? The United States Mint has issued the Morgan Silver Dollar for the first time in 100 years. Not only that, but they are also minted in 99.9% pure silver for the first time ever in history. Coin experts are calling this an amazing opportunity for anyone that knows the enduring popularity of Morgans. But you must hurry. Only 175,000 legal tender silver dollars were issued. These Morgan Silver Dollars are brand new, bright and shiny legal tender coins minted by the iconic Philadelphia Mint. Just call 1 1- and you are guaranteed a new 99.9% pure silver Morgan dollar. The first time in history this has happened, but with limited quantities, you must call now to order. To learn more, call 1-800-888-7630. If you order now, you will receive a free collector bonus, a $25 value free with every order. Call 1-800-888-7630 now to secure your new Morgan silver dollars before they are gone. That's 1-800-888-7630.
18: Russian forces are blocking wheat and other exports from Ukrainian ports. Speaking remotely and through translation at the global policy firm, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky talks about how this could expand the refugee crisis.
12: Russian war against us has uh, triggered also a global food crisis. And unless we stop this, uh, 12
10: million displaced people will be just a drop in the sea.
18: He says Ukraine needs military and humanitarian assistance as well as help rebuilding their infrastructure and economy. The only ticket stub of Michael Jordan's North Carolina debut, believed to be in existence, is hitting the auction block. The stub is from November 1981, when the Tar Heels played the Kansas Jayhawks at the Charlotte Stadium. Experts predict it could sell for over $10,000. Auction for the ticket stub will end on June 25th. USA Radio News
13: right now people are home with their pets more often and i think now especially with the shedding they're more cognizant of what's going on and that it's an actual issue and dinovite has helped tremendously in our house with that
3: i just heard the dinovite commercial so many times i said you know what I'll, I'll give it a shot and i ordered it and tried it and it worked the dinovite the being at home working with them they all love it me
13: and chewie are together 24 7
3: within three weeks he's not scratching and itching and he's an all-around happier dog
13: d-i-n-o-v-i-t-e dot com
18: an illegally leaked draft decision suggesting the Supreme Court plans to overturn Roe v. Wade has sparked protests outside the homes of Supreme Court justices. Louisiana Republican Senator John Kennedy says it's more than about abortion. It's about respect for American institutions.
0: I, I, I think most people
16: can see that all of this is being driven by the anti-intellectual um, crypto-socialist woke left.
18: He says the Biden administration is not pushing back against the intimidation of Supreme Court justices. Minor league basketball player Miles Copeland recently jumped into action and performed CPR when a referee passed out in the middle of the game. Copeland is also a firefighter and tells Fox News he never really feels off the job. CPR
3: is uh, important to be able to know what to look for uh, a heart attack can happen to anyone, anywhere, at any time, um, so knowing the
19: right steps to be able to take yeah. before a paramedics skip there uh, could really save brain function.
18: The referee is reportedly scheduled soon for heart surgery. The Lightning are looking to strike back in the Stanley Cup Finals. The two-time defending champions host the Avalanche for Game 3 tonight in Tampa. Colorado enters with momentum on its side after crushing Tampa Bay 7-0 in Game 2 to take a two-games-to-nothing series lead. For USA Radio News, I'm Tim Berg.
1: Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-209-6124. 800-209-6124. 800-209-6124. That's 800-209-6124. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity.
10: All right. Hour three is now underway. Hour, hour, as I like to call it. Do you really like to call it that, Rick? No, maybe not so much. You got me there. 1-800-878-PLAY. Let's get in and let's get heard wherever you might happen to be listening. Coast to coast, border to border, around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. An interesting thing happened uh, over the uh, weekend as well. Swimming's world governing body voted to restrict the participation of transgender athletes in women's events and will look to creating an open competition category. This is FINA, F-I-N-A. Their members voted 71.5% in favor of a policy that will require transgendered swimmers to have completed their transition by age 12. Good Lord. To be able to compete... There are 152 national federations with voting rights. The vote applies to all events beginning today. And part of the 24-page policy, as I mentioned, was a proposal for the open category. The president of FINA is Hussein Al-Musalem. <clears throat> he said, I do not want any athlete to be told they cannot compete at the highest level. The organization is setting up a new working group that will spend the next six months looking at the most effective ways to set up this new category now, end quote. Now, this decision immediately impacts the swimmer from Penn, Leah Thomas. She was the first transgendered NCAA champion in Division I history. She won the women's 500-yard freestyle in March and has competed for the uh, Penn team in the Ivy League. Uh, She says she wants to continue swimming after college and was looking at the Olympic trials coming up in two years. But it also restricts NCAA swimmers since the organization said, uh, uh, NCAA said that they were just going to defer to whatever FINA says. So um, if you think it's fair, if you're outraged or in the middle, whatever it is, that's what uh, FINA has uh, come up with uh, today. All right. 1-800-878-PLAY. We'll talk a little baseball with J.D. Sharp on the other side. Come on back.
5: Beating the books at their own game. Visit against the number.com. That's against the number.com.
9: Sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius, the best show ever. He's so wonderful, genius, the best show ever. He's so wonderful, titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle, is a, he's so handsome. He's a genius.
10: All right. Thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It is 11-12. That's what time we check in Monday through Friday with one of the fine prognosticators over at against the number.com. Which is a highly skilled team of premium sports handicappers focused on one thing and one thing only, beating the sports books of their own game. They cover every sport worldwide, from the NFL to college basketball to soccer to cricket to tennis to European hockey, and all of them are proven winners. They offer full season, end of current season, one month, one week, one day, and one year specialist specific packages. Their prices are reasonable, their tracking and distribution process is simple, and the results are real. Joining us once again is our friend JD Sharp to talk a little major league baseball. And, you know, uh, JD, I was just talking about, you know, as, as hopeless as my Oakland A's are, and they're probably going to be moving to, uh, Las Vegas, which breaks my heart into a million pieces. I look at the pirates. I like what this kid. Sewinski did yesterday becoming the first rookie to hit three homers in a game. And one of them was a walk off. They're calling up, uh, this, uh, new six foot seven <laughs> shortstop. They uh, have inked a couple of their young guys. If you're a Pirates fan, do you finally start to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel?
19: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, o- O'Neill Cruz is coming up. He's 6'7", 220, which is uh, pretty, pretty tall. Might be He might be the, sh- the tallest shortstop of all time. But, yeah, watching Sawinski hit, hit those three bombs was interesting. They've also got Henry Davis, who was the first pick out of Louisville in the draft, a, a catch with just a beautiful swing. He's got a really high upside. But you got to worry about their pitching. They've got Brew Baker and Mitch Keller. I mean, they just—they really don't have a lot. Uh, Jose Quintana's is having a pretty decent year, surprisingly for them. But they don't really have a lot as far as pitching goes. But they do. You know, Brian Reynolds is—he's from Vegas. He's a—he's had a pretty pretty decent career. I think he was an All Star last year. So they—they've definitely got some talent. But they have to. I, I have to see a legitimate number one starter whether it get, get drafted or get you no know, trade for one or just some, something like that emerge for the for the Pirates I mean, to really get excited about them but I think they're going to be scoring some runs for uh, certainly a couple of you know a couple of years with what they've got uh, offensively though
10: the Angels uh, Michael Lorenzen the pitcher uh, blamed the slick baseball for a pitch that hit the Mariners uh, Justin Upton in the head, he went on social media and had a big diatribe saying, I don't know what Major League Baseball is doing with these baseballs. It slipped out of my hand. This is not the first time this year we have heard pitchers complain uh, about the baseball. Um, in your mind, is this just some uh, command that got out of control? Or do you think this is a is a real issue that the league needs to address?
19: Yeah, I, I think that is, it is. there's probably an issue that the league needs to address. I mean, I, I've seen... There, there's been rumors about the baseball being slick and the baseball being somewhat deflated or not having enough bounce to it. I mean, you, you, there, there's been games where the first five innings have been one run scored. I mean, pitchers that aren't even very good pitchers. Now, one run scored or two runs scored. And then the, then the last four innings, there have been seven or eight runs scored. I've seen that happen a couple of different times. There definitely seems to be a little bit of inconsistency in the baseballs. So they, they need to have one stable, solid baseball that every team uses in every stadium for every game that does not change. And I think that that'll hopefully be addressed definitely next year.
10: All right, let's take a look at some of those uh, games today. You mentioned the Pirates and you mentioned Brubaker. It's ugly on a stat line, 0-7, not a hideous ERA at 4.5. Yeah,
19: 4.5.
10: Going up against somebody named Caleb Killian, 0 one with an (laughs) 8 ERA, after a start with the uh, the Cubbies there, and both these teams are mired with about the same record. This is at uh, uh, the banks of the Allegheny. What do you think of this one?
19: Uh, I think the over-under is what, eight, eight and a half, maybe even nine? Eight, eight? yeah, it's that eight. seems extremely yeah. low <clears throat> considering the circumstances. I would probably take a look at the under on both sides of that game. Not a game that I, I'm going to touch, but I probably wouldn't touch either side. I know nothing about Killian. Brubaker Baker is pretty inconsistent. Uh he, do, he and for some reason he doesn't get run support, obviously, with having a four or five ERA and being you know a paltry 0 and 7. But yeah, the game that I would look at a line that I would look at probably I'm guessing the first five under is four and a half. I'd take a look at that and I take a look at the full game under as well.
10: Now a game tonight that uh is much more uh <laughs> savory. You have the aces basically for the um, the world champs and the Giants. San Francisco is going to throw Logan Webb out there at Cobb County with, uh, a, with six wins. Max Fried with seven wins. Both teams basically virtually identical, identical records. Uh, the uh, total on that is also an eight. What do you think about that matchup?
19: I think there could be quite a bit of runs scored in that game. Webb hasn't been as good as he was last year. Free actually is better on the road than at home could be could be a game that that goes over. I think the Giants probably lose a close one as well. I would take a look at uh, San Francisco run line in that game. Wouldn't touch the first five. Would certainly uh, you know what I, I would consider taking the first five over. I'm guessing it's four four and a half. Um, but probably a game that the Giants either win or lose very closely.
10: The Yankees are at the Rays and. The Yankees are on pace to be one of the great teams of all time. They're on pace for 119 wins. They have 17 losses. The next most would be 22. They're five games ahead of them. Garrett Cole's on the bump. But then again, this is at Tampa against Shane McClanahan, who's on his way right now in the early voting for Asai Young. He's got seven wins with a 1.84 ERA. This is another good one. How do you see it?
19: Great game. Over-under is 6.5. I Actually, I have this playing in. I've got Tampa first five and Tampa full game. I think that they 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 lead after the first five and they win the game outright. I think I got them at plus 115 on both sides of this one.
10: Another good game, a uh, National League tilt with a couple teams looking at the playoffs, both 38 and 30. This is at whatever they're calling Miller Park these days. This is up there in uh, Milwaukee. The Cards are in town. Nicholas versus Burns, the former Cy Young winner out of St. Mary's. Uh, both uh, with ERAs <laughs> around two and a half. This one, another one, it looks really
3: even.
19: Yeah, it is It is a very even. It's minus 175. or. Well, it was minus 175. Now I think it's down to minus 165. Uh, over under seven and a half full game. First five is four. I'm on this game already as well. I'm not touching either side. I think that this game goes over. I think that it goes over four first five. I think it goes over seven and a half full game. Uh, Burns has been basically completely lights out against the Cardinals his entire career. And I think that that stops today. I think there's a little bit of regression. Also, Mikolas, he pitched 8.2 innings and gave up one hit his last start. So I think this is a game where you've got two pitchers who have just been pitching out of their minds. And Burns is still a Cy Young winner. I get that. But his numbers against the the Cardinals are just out of this world. I think that there's regression on both sides. And this game actually has some some runs scored in it.
10: The Blue Jays do give Jose Barrios run support because his ERA is four He's got five wins. They're at the White Sox. Lance Lynn finally healthy again with an ugly ERA. No record, but a 6.23. How are you looking at this one?
19: What is the – so the Blue Jays are on the – I haven't handicapped this game. Blue Jays are on the road, you said?
10: Yeah, they're at uh, the south side.
19: And it's what, minus 120, something like that?
10: It's a plus 110 for the White Sox. Over-under is a 9.
19: Oh, okay, I think the game probably goes under. Lance Lynn's one of those guys where he's really inconsistent. When he, I mean, but when he's on, his stuff is as good as it gets. And I could see this. I could see this as a game where Lance Lynn mows down the Blue Jays and goes six or seven innings, gives up two runs, and Barrios probably gives up maybe three or four. Probably game. I look at the White Sox here, but I think that the game probably goes under again. But not a game that I spent a lot of time looking at. I, just, I don't think Lance Lynn is as bad as they are. Right? Not even close.
10: All right, there he is, J.D. Sharp. Check him out at AgainstTheNumber.com for all his friends on every sport as well. J.D., good stuff. Thanks for dropping by, man.
19: Thanks a lot, Rick. Have a good one.
10: All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Lines are open the rest of the way. 1-800-878-PLAY. Don't be shy, and let's talk football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, golf, tennis, auto racing, boxing, Olympics, quarter tell chess, checkers, rugby, cricket, right here on Sports Byline.
1: Pricing information, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654. That's 800-915-9654.
6: Here's a great way to save money on your prescription medications. If you take Viagra or Cialis, we can give you a way to pay as little as $2 a pill.
1: Back to pass goes targeted. He's going down the middle, and White makes the catch. He is creamed, but holds on to the football, losing the helmet. Chin strap flying one way, helmet
9: the other. Holy Toledo.
7: saw Rick Tittle at the laundromat last night, and I was hella checking him out. I just kept staring at him, and he played like I wasn't even there. I be like that then.
10: All right. Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Coast to coast, border to border. Uh, by the way, someone has a pet goat in a Steph uh, jersey at the parade, according to Dominic, which I think is pretty funny. Um yes goat not 80s goat 2020s goat <clears throat> speaking of the 2022 season the yankees were expected to be a contender not just for the east but the world series and now 2 months in they are the class of baseball and and that sweep over the cubs at yankee stadium this weekend they outscored chicago 28 to 5 they're 44 and 16 as i mentioned The only other team that has uh, 40 wins are the Mets in town, but they have 22 losses. The Yankees with 16, then the Dodgers 37 wins, Astros 37 wins, Padres 37 wins. We'll get back to that in a second. We have my main man Charlie out in Hell's Kitchen in in Manhattan. What's up, Charlie?
2: Rick wanted to. uh, There there was an article I want to talk about our beloved Triple A's. Uh um there was an article in a New York I think it was the Post last week that said that um a lot of owners were complaining that the A's were taking this shared revenue and uh pocketing right. it instead of putting it back into the uh team so I, w- I I tried reaching you over the weekend but you wouldn't return any of my calls so I, <laughs> I call now um one, maybe you can educate me. I thought the whole purpose of revenue sharing was to help these smaller market teams. And if that's the case, why aren't they made to put that money back into payroll?
10: Yeah, I know one owner said they put it in their pocket and he's right. I mean, they got, they complained they didn't have any money and then other owners give them money and they burn the team to the ground, a promising team, you know, a playoff team, they burn it to the ground and they had some good young pieces upon whom they could build. And, you know, number one being Matt Olson, they dismantled the pitching staff, you know, Bassett and Mania. The A's would have been respectable if those guys were still in the rotation. They wouldn't have been great, but they might have maybe hovered around 500. And so anyone who complains about the A's, I'm on their side. <laughs> I agree with them.
2: You know, so, but why, again, why aren't they made... Like, if the A's are given whatever they're given, I don't know what it was, $9 million, $23 million, why, why doesn't the powers it, to be to say to them, you need the to prove you to, know, why are they allowed to pocket it, is my question. Why is it not, why did they break the bank for Stephen vote and 93 year old Jed Lowry for the 18th time on the A's? Like, why not? Well, how come they're not being held accountable for that?
10: That's just the way the rules are. They're going to have to rewrite the rules. They're going to have to say, look, we need to see your books. And that will never happen because these rich guys, they don't want people getting into their books and seeing that they spent, you know, $2 million on a yacht in Saint-Tropez with a couple of girls no one ever heard of. You know, whatever it is, they don't want people getting in their business. So um, it would be good to hold them accountable and just to say, look, this money has to go directly into payroll but that'll never happen because they'll say, Oh, well, you know, we need a new scoreboard and we need a new parking lot and whatever.
2: Well then but then, then then revenue sharing should be stopped, isn't it? I mean Yes. I agree. All right. Especially
10: so when you're in the fifth question. market in the United States, you know, you, right. you more right. than six million people all around you, and and the A's have proven that when they win, they draw more than three million even at the Coliseum.
2: Absolutely. So, my and maybe because the commissioner works for the owners. Why isn't Fisher, isn't there something in the sports where if you're not trying to be competitive, like, why, why not, I mean, maybe it's an extreme thing, but why not, isn't there a way to take the team from him or force him to sell if he's not going to be competitive?
10: That's what I would like. I mean, I think if Bowie Kuhn or maybe even Faye Vincent, Or Bart Giamatti or Peter Ubaroth, But, you know, the owner, they they put in one of their own. They put in the owner of the Brewers. And ever since then, they put in Rob Manfred, who's a good little soldier. The owners run baseball now. There's not going to be anybody who is going to uh, hold the owners accountable because they'd just be holding themselves accountable.
2: I mean, I've been rooting for the A's since the, the original Billy Ball. It is disgraceful what is being done to this team. It it breaks my heart. I haven't watched any of their games. I am. I told you from the opening day, I am protesting I self-imposed. I, but I do look at the box scores every once in a while. Tell me if I'm wrong, but their offense is going to be historically bad this year. I mean, literally they, they, it seems like they get two or three hits a game. Everyone in the lineup is batting around the Mendoza line. Like, are they, are they on pace to have some historically bad
9: offensive season?
10: You know, they, I don't know what the pace is, but I'm with you, and I don't, I'm not proud to say this. I'm embarrassed. I'm not happy to say this, but I don't even know who they're playing. You know, I, I looked. There was a score like two days ago. They lost 2-0 to the hapless Royals, and then yesterday I guess Sean Murphy had a three-run home run. And I, But if you tell me who the A's are playing today, I have no idea. And that's yeah, neither- sad. It's the first time in my adult life that I, they're not must see or, or must watch TV. It's just, and it's sad because I just, I got other things to worry about than a team that's not trying whatsoever.
2: And I, it's exactly, this is, this year's the first time that I, I, even prior to this previous run of playoff spots where they were, uh, had a few years where they were, I still followed them every day. I watched them. I had the baseball package. I would follow them. This is a, Yeah, I agree. With, I don't even know who they're playing today or if they're playing today. I, 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 like I said, I look at the box scores. Half these players I've never even heard of. <laughs> anyway, that's all it's I got. Pretty, it,
9: <laughs> on this beautiful day
2: where the Warriors get to celebrate uh, another title, I, I didn't mean to bring uh, everyone down, but it was, it was on my mind all weekend When I, after I read the article. It just, uh, it's, I'm heartbroken over the A's. I, yeah. It's embarrassing. It's
10: Well, and it's like grateful, I was saying, but, too, it's a... Um... It's a thing where uh, this is one of the great franchises in, in American sports. This isn't the yeah. Mariners, who, by the way, I just looked. That's who we're playing oh. tonight. Like yesterday, this guy Koenig, or as they say in German, Koenig, which means king, he got his first win on Father's Day.
2: Never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I mean, this franchise goes back to Co- Connie Mack in Philadelphia. I mean, this is... A the, the Charlie Finley is uh, just on and on and 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 just it's just I'm I'm hard I mean thank they God they for had
10: a guy the other day get his first major league hit named Jonah Bride number seventy seven who
2: that's what I'm saying I look at the box score and <laughs> I, I'm afraid to look at Jed Lowry's batting average and and Elvis Andrews bat but then I see some of these other plays that and I I, I I've never heard of these guys before.
10: By the way, just, I believe somebody told me that Lowry is under the Mendoza line, too. So, he's, he's stuck, donezo.
2: Usually, you know, well, but he's 62 years old, and,
10: <laughs> and so, like,
2: what, what do you expect? He's older than us.
10: Yeah, um, yeah I've just anyway. looked it up. 196, yeah.
2: Why is he like... Well, all right, final point. If you're going with this quote-unquote youth mo- movement, why do you have Vote and Lowry on the team? Those are two spots that could have been two other players brought up and and, 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 and take their lumps. There's I, I no tweeted I
10: tweeted on opening day. I said, why are Lowry and Vote on the team, and why is Nick Allen not playing instead of Elvis Andrus if you're going to embrace 100 losses? And everybody tweeted back to me, they're not embracing 100 losses. This is a scrappy team. Let's see what they do. Don't prejudge them. And I'm like, do you understand sports at all?
2: <laughs> well, I, after they opened the season, I think nine and nine. Whether they they're eleven and thirty, whatever. Well, I don't even know what their yeah. record is. Yeah,
10: that good road trip where so, they were five hundred.
2: Yeah, and that was it. It's, I yeah. can't I, actually. The only time I may watch them this year, and I loathe the Yankees, but just to see disparity in talent, I, I might just watch just to punish myself. I might just watch <laughs> a few innings whenever they play them, um, <laughs> and it, it will be the only time where the Coliseum will be mostly filled, and it will be all unfortunately Yankee fans. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Anyway, on that happy note, uh, go go Warriors. All right, right. <laughs> All right thanks see for the call,
10: time. Charlie. Yeah, you know, I just you just look through the roster and you see guys like Domingo Acevedo and Luis Pereira who got cut and brought back Christian Bethencourt who they had pitched the other day. Who's one of their better players? Jonah Bright, Seth Brown stinks. He gets more Wanderson, Charles, Matt Davidson. Who hit a home run the other day? Jordan Diaz, uh, Zach Jackson, uh, Jared Koenig, Jacob Lemoyne, Zach Logue. I remember him from the trade. Adrian Martinez. He was the guy that got that win. (laughs) That win. (laughs) That's right. You can individualize them. Austin Pruitt. Kirby Sneed, Domingo Tapia, Cody Thomas, all on the 40 man. I have no idea who they are. And that's on me. I'm not saying it's their fault. That's on me. But, yeah, I have no idea who these guys are. I'm a Tittle, big Ace fan. Apparently not. Come on back on Sports Violin.
3: Who's watching me? I don't-
7: Rick Tittle once threw a tennis ball at a donkey.
10: I feel bad about that. Now, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast around the world and lines are available. If you'd like to chime in 1-800-878-PLAY 1-800-878-7529. You know, I was mentioning the jankies about what a great start they're off to right now. And, The Yankees, as I mentioned, are on pace to win a record 119 games, and while that's unlikely to happen, they only have to play 500 ball from here on out to win 95 games, and that will get you into the playoffs. They only need to play at a 89-win game the rest of the way pace to win the 100 games. Matt Carpenter said, quote, It's so much fun watching this group compete. By the way, he hit two home runs yesterday. I just love coming to the ballpark every day, coming into the clubhouse with this group of guys. Well, the 44 and 16 start is the fifth best 60-game start in the franchise history. In 19, this is Murderer's Row, in 1939, 47 and 13, right? They had 46 and 14 starts in '98 and 53, and in 1928 they started 45 and 15. I remember in 1984 the Detroit Tigers started off 35 and 5. That is still the hottest start that I can remember. And then they won the World Series. I <clears throat> said over the Padres on I mean. it. Uh, but the Yankees only won the World Series. Um, In four of those seasons, not the other ones, the one postseason where they didn't have it was D3. But remember, you didn't have to win multiple series to win a title. The game has changed. The Yankees are the 38th team to win at least 42 of their first 60 games. Uh, Now, excluding the strike season of 95 and the pandemic season two years ago, the Yankees are the seventh team in the wild card division, or wildcard era, I should say now, to win 42 of their first 60. The other ones were the 97 Orioles who lost the ALCS, the 98 Braves who lost the NLCS, the 98 Yankees who won the World Series, the 01 Mariners, remember them, 116 and 46, they lost the ALCS. The 2016 Cubs won it all, as did the Astros the next year. The fact that only three of those six teams won the World Series is a reminder of being great in the regular season and being a great postseason team are two different things. Like if you think about the Orioles team losing to an 86-win Cleveland uh, team in the 97 ALCS, but you don't win 42, 43, 44 in your first 60 games by accident. And you don't win many of those by having a significant exploitable weakness The common theme of those six teams is that they were the best in just about every phase. They could hit, they could pitch, they could play defense. They had no glaring deficiencies. So the 2017 Astros are kind of the one team that didn't have amazing pitching because, you remember, Verlander didn't join Houston until late in 2017, and they didn't have great defense. And frankly, everything... That the Astros accomplished that year is clouded in skepticism because of the uh, sign-stealing scandal. But to win as much as those teams do, you basically have to be good at everything. Well, great at everything. Good isn't enough. And Aaron Boone, who barely held on to his job last year, said, quote, it's nice that the wins are coming in a lot of different ways. I think that's built a lot of confidence in that room that we know We don't have to lean on one thing on a given night. We have a lot of different ways to beat you, unquote. So this past offseason, the Yankees did address some of their most glaring weaknesses, especially infield defense and cutting down on strikeouts. Gary Sanchez, bye. Luke Voigt, nice seeing you. Gio Urshula, so long. They brought in Josh Donaldson, Isaiah Conor-Falefa, Jose Trevino. They re signed Anthony Rizzo. They moved Gleyber Torres to second base full-time. And then you look about the the healthiness of Aaron Judge hitting 318 with 24 home runs, seven more than any other player. He is your American League MVP right now. The fact that he has seven more home runs than any else, anybody else in baseball, the last player to have a bigger lead in home runs um, oh. at this point in June was Babe Ruth in 1928 over Lou Gehrig, his teammate. He had nine more than Lou Gehrig. So if you think about the starting pitchers of New York, if you're into WAR, they are a 7.3 as a staff. Wow. And Garrett Cole, who they gave $324 million to, legitimately is their worst starter. Following that five-homer drubbing last week, his ERA is a 3.63, 3 which can get you into the all-star game. Every other starter has a sub-three ERA. Crazy. The revelation that Clay Holmes has been in the bullpen has not allowed a run since opening day. Top to bottom, they are a run prevention powerhouse group. Now, completely without flaws? Well, the setup man, Chad Green... Tommy John surgery. He gone. Aroldis Chapman. Jonathan. Uh, Lo Sega They're on the injured list. And sometimes uh, a third of their lineup is a black hole because kind of Falefa doesn't hit very much. Joey Gallo doesn't hit very much. Aaron Hicks hasn't been a star, but the Yankees have overcome some of those issues. You think about, what have they got from Stanton so far and what, he can, what can, he can do? But the Yankees are about to begin maybe their toughest stretch. You know, I was just talking with J.D. Sharp. They're going to be playing McClanahan in Tampa today. And then they're going to be playing the Astros and then the Blue Jays. All postseason clubs if the season started today. And arguably the best three non-Yankee teams in the American League. The good news for the Yankees is they built a pretty good cushion even if they do start to choke a little bit. But Brian Cashman, always defensive and usually has a point, said we've always felt we've had good players. We've always felt we had the capability of a really good team. Now it's time to test those theories. And so far in the very early portion of our season, it's going well. Yeah, it is. One 878 Play one eight hundred seven five two nine. Um, one other thing um, that I wanted to get to as well today is the college uh, World Series. Uh, as uh, Texas dropped its opener to a Notre Dame on Friday, this this year the field included thirty one automatic bids via conference championships and thirty three at large entrants. And the first round of play is known as the regional, and then it goes double elimination format. Each of the 16 one-seeds hosts its respective four-team regional when possible. Uh, The winner of each regional goes to the super regional. The super regional, which has 16 teams, that's a best-of-three format. And then the winners of the super regionals, that'll be eight. That's what we call or I call the real College World Series. You go to Omaha, Nebraska, you have eight teams. And then the College World Series double elimination format until the final two teams are standing. <clears throat> so, if you didn't know, as we got underway, the um, on Friday Oklahoma beat Texas A and M thirteen to five. Notre Dame beat Texas, as I said, seven to three. You know, we already heard about Notre Dame knocking out the uh, one seed, the uh, uh, you know the Vols. Um, on Saturday, Arkansas destroyed Sanford 17-2. to two. Uh, My old boss, Kenny, was tweeting, Sue E. Pig, I had to figure out what that meant. <laughs> it was baseball. Uh, Ole Miss beat Auburn 5-1. Uh, to one. And then yesterday, A&M knocked out Austin. College Station is not that far from Austin. And for A&M to beat Texas... Uh, and knock them out, that was a huge thing for them. And then Oklahoma got over the Golden Domers uh, six to two. <clears throat> so it's a um, it's always fun. And you know what's interesting, too? And you'll probably say, Rick, you can't say that nowadays. Well, I'm going to say it anyway. I had a friend tell me one time when he went to the College World Series, Rosenblatt, he said, I've never seen so many beautiful girls in my life in the College World Series. And I went, really? He's like, yeah. And then I had somebody else in a completely different way, never knew the other guy. And he told me he went to the College World Series. And without even asking, he said, Yeah, yeah, it's the most beautiful girls I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I've had two different guys tell me that. Just making it a side note. Rick, who cares what people look like? How dare you? Sorry. But yeah, Omaha. It's uh, it's always fun, and I remember the um, the Mark Marcus teams at uh, from Sunken Diamond at Stanford and uh, Paul Carey and Blackjack McDowell. Those are exciting times with Stanford. Now my buddy was going to Stanford at the time. It's probably the only time in my life because of him, I actually kind of, sort of, sort of, kind of rooted for Stanford. I know, sh- don't tell anybody. I just thought, oh, why not? Let's just do it. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come on back. It's still time to get in if you want to at 1-800-878-PLAY, 1-800-878-7529.
1: That's 800-760-1845. How would you like to publish and sell your own audiobook? Great stories deserve great storytelling. Audiobook Network provides professional voice actors and full production services for every author's manuscript. You'll choose from one of our many voice actors.
7: Tittle ain't the man, but Rick Tittle know who the man is, and he slapped his white fanny.
10: All right, thanks for that. Uh, By the way, some pretty good guests lined up for tomorrow. We'll have uh, Johnny Bench, um, you know, maybe the greatest catcher of all time, and uh, Adam Thielen, one of the great young wide receivers uh, in the NFL uh, right now. So that's cool. pretty cool lineup uh, tomorrow. Um, From the world of tennis... I wanted to mention this. Uh, Daniel Medvedev, which is Russian for bear, lashed out at the final at Halle yesterday. Halle is a very beautiful city in Westphalia, or as we call Nordrhein westfalen which is interesting. I was actually wearing the crest of Westphalen yesterday. So I had a German relative in town. And, um, but his tennis coach is Gilles Servara. And as Medvedev was melting down in the final against Hubert Hercox, Medvedev, who is the world number one, and it's the first time ever he lost on grass, which Hala is. Well, after he got a set down, Medvedev started screaming at Servara, his coach. Now, you're not allowed to coach in tennis. You're not allowed to shout out anything. But Medvedev started screaming at him. And the coach, Gilles Servara, he left. He got his bag. They opened up a little door for him, and he walked through the crowd. And he lost. Did Medvedev six one six four? And we already know about Wimbledon saying no Russians. And um, at the presentation of the trophy, Medvedev had calmed down. He had nothing against Hercox, who won. He was cordial. He was congratulatory. But uh, that short fuse. Remember. Medvedad made headlines at the Australian Open. He ripped the fans for having a low IQ after some uh, impersonations of the soccer star Cristiano Ronaldo did in a match against Nick Kyrgios. And he didn't like the fact that people were rooting against him and rooting for Nadal. And Nadal says, hey, I've had people root against me. So anyway, back to Hercox. This sets him up well for Wimbledon. As his run through Halle also included victories against Kyrios, Ugo Humbert, and Felix auger Aleosime. He was a semifinalist at Wimbledon last year, was Hercox. He won't get a chance to uh, play Medvedev there, as I mentioned. The uh, Wimbledon has this sweeping ban on Russian and Belarusian players from that tournament. <clears throat> but I don't ever remember a player male or female going after a coach that vehemently screaming uh at them like that but um yeah this guy he's (laughs) for being the best tennis player in the world you probably don't want to act like a little freak like that that's just me ricky had a good reason to yell at him all right whatever thanks for tuning in tomorrow as i mentioned johnny bench adam thielen and uh, others and i'm Thielen seven up enjoy the parade i hope it's not too nasty We'll see you tomorrow, 9 a.m. Pack Time.
3: Yeah, man, I hope we don't have brain damage.
9: (laughs) (laughs) Great way to end the show.